0: So, staying grounded when standing your ground. I'm very excited to talk about this because I think a lot of women just don't know what to do when they're in a situation where they have to stand their ground. And situations that involve you standing your ground is things like ignoring him back. Yes, ignoring him back when he's ignoring you. Or recognising that even though things are in what would be considered a nice place this is not going to work for you and you have to trust in that fact. Or even if you're arguing with him and he's trying to gaslight you, like you need to stand your ground. So I think one of the main situations that have involved me having to learn to stand my ground, and I've gotten quite good at this from being in so many situations like this, because you know what? It doesn't matter how evolved, beautiful or healed you are, Men are always going to try you because they need to test where the boundaries are. And the reason they need to test where the boundaries are is because they want to see if what they're used to getting away with will work with you. It's never personal. It's never personal. But where I've had to really do a lot of standing my ground is when I've had to make peace with the reality that this guy is not somebody who deserves to date me or even know me anymore in the way that he once did and usually when I'm having those thoughts it's while I'm in the process of mentally detaching from him. I don't like to announce to a man that I'm going to detach, I just detach because men don't announce to you when they're about to do a madness. So with that being said, when I have had to stand my ground It's usually easier for me to do it when I have a focal point. Your focal point is something that you can create based on a feeling or a goal or even an example of someone else's situation. So what I'll explain is Sometimes when you find yourself in a situation where you just need to cut a man off, a feeling can be a really useful focal point. Especially if what he did hurt your feelings so much that you now have no choice but to change how you're acting with him. For me, that's my main go-to focal point. It's usually my feelings because if I've liked a guy... And he's done something that's hurt my feelings. First of all, he doesn't even know that I like him enough to now be hurt. All he knows is that I'm receptive to him. Cause I think it's so important when you're in the early stage of a guy, if you're really liking him and like the conversation is really sweet in your body and it's gingering you and you're really just enjoying it and feeling giddy talking to him, like he don't need to know that. He still needs to just he needs to still work to earn that side of you because you're the woman and you're the person who he has to pursue. Like I don't care about all these ideas out there about how men should equally feel wanted you should feel wanted from knowing that I'm responding to you fam I could have ignored you but I'm responding so you're you're onto something good let's just leave it there <laughs> but anyway when I've started to notice that for, for whatever reason this guy is just it's not giving what it was meant to give, yeah. and I found myself feeling really upset about something that he said or the way he handles something. You See when you get that tummy sinking feeling where like, you can't explain why it's hurt your feeling, but it's hurt your feelings, like it just hurts. That feeling is really important. Focus on that feeling because for someone to make you feel like that, yeah, it's not a good thing. So that becomes an important focal point that you can use when you are separating yourself from him and mentally detaching it's almost like having an emotional anchor so that you don't forget why you're upset. Because I know there's a lot of women, yeah? They they try to, they will try to, you know, do the thing of like, okay, I'm gonna no longer speak to this guy. I'm gonna just ignore him because he's a dickhead. And then because they're either horny or they're not used to standing their ground or they're feeling a bit like distracted, they forget they just forget what they were upset about and then they just cave in and start giving him all the excited giddy energy they are giving him before and it's like girl and this usually happens after you've accepted a guy's apology as well there's something interesting yet about the dynamic that's created after a guy has profusely apologized and like His apology is actually sincere this time. Like, you could tell that he's panini pressed. Like, he's actually really desperate to have your forgiveness, yeah? In that moment, you hold a lot of power. Like, the mistake that I've made, and this wasn't even that long ago that I made the mistake. I want to say the mistake was like a year, a year plus ago, yeah? The mistake that I made was... (laughs) There was this guy... (laughs) There was this guy who... We dated and... I want to say it was actually a really fun, it was a really, really fun dating experience. Like dating him was fun. Things didn't get awful till the end. I say awful. I mean, it wasn't that bad in hindsight, looking at it now. Things were really fun with dating him. He was was the kind of guy that like, I'm glad that I've gotten that out of my system because I feel like when you are in your 20s, You need to do all the things. You need to date a broke guy so you can see why you shouldn't date broke men. You need to date a good looking guy who can't do anything for you so you can see why there's no point in dating a good looking guy who can't do anything for you. You need to date a good looking guy who can do some things for you but can't do all the things that you need. So then you realise why it's important to have standards and you should be really sure of what you want. You need to also date a guy who is popular to some degree whether he's like I don't know not necessarily famous but you know date the popular guy so you can see why it's important for you to be the star of the show because when you date a popular guy you got to compete with him same thing applies to dating a guy who's good looking or better looking than you similar thing of like men being the star of the show you need to get all these things out of your system yeah because once you've gotten it out of your system then you be you're more able to be focused and laser point driven on what it is that you're actually prepared to entertain in a man I will go back to the story of the guy I dated that I really enjoyed but why I'm saying all this is because now I'm in a place where I'm not looking to I don't care to date men of my age anymore I'm 28 years old as of saying this I don't care to date men of my age anymore I probably wouldn't even be impressed by a man in his 30s I'm probably looking at being more receptive to dating men in their forties and fifties shock horror gasp ill yuck ill okay whatever (laughs) but trust me when you start to think for your future and think with a lot of power dynamics in mind and think with the acknowledgement that you are much smarter than most men your age if you're someone like me then it makes sense to go where you have the most power and as a woman. I'm very sexy, I'm very assertive, I'm very sure of myself. I know that I have way more leverage from dating a man in his 50s than I have with a man who's my own age. And the reason I say that is because, first of all, let's not get it twisted, yeah? There are men in their 50s who look good, okay? There are men in their 50s who do their skincare. There are men in their 50s who are in careers that allow them to have the time to live a life that is fun and exciting and zesty. So their age ain't showing on their face because they're living a good life, okay? There are men in their 50s who keep up with their wellness. They go to the gym. Like, a 50-year-old man is not necessarily using a walking stick. Like, a lot of people's impressions of people in their 50s is just based on the lack of experience and just, like, media perception and hearsay. It's just a line of thinking... That doesn't always benefit you in it. So for me, I know that my persuasive powers will work better on a 50-year-old man than it would in a 28-year-old man. Because 50-year-old men, like, they're not as they're not as um they're not as pressed about trying to compete with you. Because they've they've also done the thing that I said that young women should do where date the date the good looking guy, date all the people that you, you know, are over. These 50 year old men have also done the like the 50 year old men I'm talking about. They've dated the hot girl. They've dated women that are younger than me. They've dated women of my age. They've done all the things they want to do. So now they have a more grounded outlook on life. Doesn't mean a 50 year old man is perfect. Doesn't mean a 50 year old man will not cheat. What I'm saying is that if you're 28 and you're dating a man who's like 51, do you really think a 51 year old man has got talent to be playing WhatsApp ghosting games on you? Or do you think a 51-year-old man is going to just hear what you're interested in and he's going to just want to facilitate it? Think. Anyway, while you think about that, let's go back to the story I was telling of the guy who was my age. Well, no, actually, he wasn't my age. He was, like, three years older than me. So, early 30s. And I really enjoyed dating him. He was fun, okay? He was (laughs) good-looking. He was... I think he might have been a fire sign as well. He was a Leo. I enjoyed dating a Leo because if you've heard my men of the Zodiac episode where I discussed men across all the star signs, when I touched on describing Leo, one of the things that I said about Leo men is that they love to be with like a good looking woman because leo men have a reputation for like grooming themselves and wanting to look good like leo men want to look good they want to be seen and they want to be seen with someone that looks good because then it makes them look good together so we looked good yeah <laughs> and me in my young sort of like how old was I about then maybe 27 just turned 27, me in my young 27 year old mind was like yeah I love the idea of being with a guy who also looks good because then we both just look good and aesthetically it's pleasing and And you know what the energy was there like he was fun and playful, um he was spending like look I was eating his money in it, the country we were dating in, um allowed for us to have really great dining experiences like we were dining at the best places I really really enjoyed it until he started telling me that I reminded him of his ex (gasps) and his ex was also a Sagittarius like me (gasps) I hated that so much I hated that because it's like okay first of all there's no one like me Let's not ever get it twisted in your life. Second of all, that's a thought you should keep in the drafts, my dear. You don't be telling a woman that she reminds you of your ex. That is a surefire way to bury yourself six feet under. Because you're now putting the thought in her mind that... You're only dating her because you want to feel a semblance of what it was like to be with your ex. Even if that's not the case, it feels like it's the case. And now I'm turned off and now I feel paranoid and now I can't enjoy being with you anymore. And now the energy has changed and now I find myself needing reassurance. And I don't like that because now you triggered my anxious attachment. So I'm going to have to go. And surprise, surprise, when you are somebody who has anxious attachment, even if you have secure healthy attachment you can have a secondary attachment style that's usually activated by somebody who provokes it in it I would consider myself someone that has healthy attachment like I'm pretty grounded like I can tell when something isn't working and I'll respectfully dip in it like I know when to disengage from a man I also feel okay with allowing myself to enjoy things while they're going well with a guy you know balance both but if I have granted myself permission to enjoy things while they're going well and I'm starting to trust that this is working and I feel myself operating from my healthy attachment and the guy starts behaving in a way that's fearful and avoidant which surprise surprise the fearful avoidance usually almost always end up with the anxious attachment people because they're the polar they're the polar opposites and they are always like each other's trigger So once he started presenting behaviours that were avoidant and fearful and, like, hot and cold, I started to feel anxious. The relationship just kind of... What do I even call it a relationship? Well, he never asked me to be his girlfriend, so I wasn't his girlfriend. But I was chopping his money and I was enjoying it. And, you know, I was pretty much, like, staying at his house a lot. But because we were in another country, it felt fine. It felt fun. Like, it it was genuinely great until that whole comparing me to the ex-girlfriend thing then I realized from what he told me that he's still not over her and then I was like okay well I don't like this and then when I started to express behaviors that gave the impression that I needed more reassurance from him he became more distant so that's how that's how that ended and I was really upset by that but my focal point my focal point was this guy really had the nerve to treat me well and then after doing all of that He now tells me that I remind him of his ex-girlfriend. I cannot tolerate that. It does not matter how fun the dating experience was. If you create room for me to doubt the security I have in what could have been a relationship with you, I'm going to have to stand my ground and keep it pushing. That's my focal point. And that was my focal point throughout the period of me detaching myself from him. I'm trying to stop using the word healing because... I feel like sometimes we put too much power in the hands of a man by saying, I'm healing from, I'm healing from, I'm healing from. Like, girl, do you have some sort of perpetual illness that you got to constantly be healing? Like, what is this constant healing? Like, it can't just be every single guy that you meet that it goes wrong, you have to be healing. It could just be changing the language to... I'm in a place of accepting the situation for what it was. I'm in the process of detachment. Like, call it what it is, call it what it is, you're in the process of detachment. Because when you identify it as the process of detachment, that language is important versus I'm healing. Because I'm healing, when you think about someone as healing, they were badly wounded, didn't it? Like. When you think of a physical wound that someone needs to heal from, you're told that you you can't go to work for a number of days or weeks because you don't want to aggravate the wound or the illness. You have sympathy and pity from those around you because you're obviously in a place where you are in pain and you are disadvantaged due to this injury. You are feeling sorry for yourself because... You're having to recap Like, the healing just sounds like a mad thing happened. Like, it just sounds like this person has bulldozed you. Even if you feel bulldozed, part of getting your power back is, like, taking full control of your story again. That means taking control of the language you use to describe the state you're in. So, if you are coming out of a relationship where you were really attached and you were hurt, take ownership of how you describe the situation that you're in so instead of being like oh I'm healing from this two-week situationship you can instead say I am in a process of detaching from a two-week situationship because when you call it what it is you're reminding yourself that your responsibility right now is to detach because healing just sounds like when you're healing right there's a lot of back and forth in healing like sometimes you go back and lick your wound You'll go back and cry over it. Because if you're healing from a physical wound, yeah, sometimes that that wound actually hurts. So you might have to take a painkiller. If you don't have painkiller, you might have to cry. Like healing sounds like a very intensive, consuming place to be, as opposed to I'm in a process of detachment. Because when you're in a process of detachment, it doesn't change the fact that there might still be times when you'll cry. But if you acknowledge that the crying is because you are accepting that you were tom fooled and you're acknowledging that you got got and you are mourning a delusion that you co-created with someone else The crying won't go in vain because all of it is informing your perspective and it's going to be useful for you in your journey of staying grounded and not going back. I feel like sometimes we be feeling bad about mirroring these guys energy. Like, give him what he gave you. If he gave you the energy of he don't care about your feelings and, you know, he's gotten what he wanted from you. Why are you on his doorstep lamenting? Why are you still poking and prodding for validation and reassurance? Why don't you just act like he died? Why don't you just like mentally delete him? Because the mental deletion process, fam, let's say, yeah, you are deleting 21 gigabytes worth of data from your computer. That is physically going to take time. Like, if you use a MacBook, you'll see the bar, the bar of progress showing you an approximation that it will probably take 15 minutes to delete all these files. Like, it takes time. It takes time. If you translate that 15 minutes of computer time into human time, maybe it might take you, I don't know, like five weeks, two months to really see through this entire process of deleting that man from your body and your mind. Give it all the time it needs because every single file must go. Every file must go. (laughs) Every packet of emotional data regarding that man must go. And anything that's left behind, the metadata that, you know, because you know your computer doesn't always entirely delete every single thing. There's still going to be some, like, ambiguous files that you can't access, that you need to download another program to access, right? Stay with me on this metaphor that information that weird sort of metadata slash ambiguous files that's the information that you use to inform how you behave with the next guy and that's the information that's going to inform your new outlook on your dating life and on yourself and what you're likely to tolerate next time so it's not, not none of this is going to waste like none of any of this is going to waste but it will only go to waste if you don't understand to stand your ground and if you lose your focal point like If you're stuck in that whole vocabulary of I'm healing, I'm healing, I'm healing, I'm healing. I can't date because I'm healing. I can't do this because I'm healing. I can't do that because I'm healing. It's like you've signed yourself up to an imprisonment of being a victim of your own emotions. I'm not saying that if you have come out of an abusive relationship that you should not take time to heal. There's levels to this shit. There is levels to this shit. If you've come out of an abusive relationship, something where you were in actual danger, harm was inflicted on you, healing is the correct vocabulary to use to describe where you're at, because you do need to take some time out. But that's different to, you was in talking stages with some boy, and yeah he gave you funny flutters maybe finger blasted you a couple of times and you got carried away and you caught feelings from the finger blasting and then he started ghosting you inevitably and then now you're like i'm healing no no don't give him that kind of credit no no you are in a process of detachment that's what you're in not healing because if you're going to be in a constant state of healing then really and truly like Are you dating men or are you just using men to get over the previous guy? Which one is it? Because I feel like when you are grounded in your cause and you're grounded in your self-worth, if things go wrong with a guy, you can easily, healthily, happily... Remember that he's not the last man you're ever going to connect with. Like even the guy that I was talking about, who things went really well with him until they stopped going well. We had a fun, exciting connection for the for the for the majority of the time, but that connection stopped being stopped being fun when he started comparing me to his ex, and I had to acknowledge that I don't like how this feels. Let me let me be going. Since him, I have gone on to date other people. I've lived a very fun... I wasn't even pole dancing when I knew him. That's how long ago that was. That's crazy to me. Because the version of me that he knew is an outdated version of me. Like, he he wouldn't even... If I was to meet him now... Actually, let me think about this. If I was to meet him now with the knowledge of self I have and the zesty life that I'm living and enjoying, would I still resonate with him? Probably, I probably still would have spent his money, but I don't think I would have been as emotionally serious about him as I was. Because I probably would have been dating other guys at the same time. And I probably... I don't know, like, I just probably wouldn't have even been that pressed because if a guy's only taking me out for dinner, yeah, that's fun, but you haven't taken me shopping, you haven't paid any bills of mine, like, you're still not that exceptional. Like, you haven't done anything that's going to necessarily, like, ooh, groundbreaking, you know? Like, I'm already doing all of those things for myself. It's fun and nice to go out on a nice dinner with someone and have a fun, cute, sexy chinwag, but it's not doing anything like exceptional enough for me to give this person like a huge portion of real estate in my mind and in my life like I can have fun without getting carried away and forgetting myself i think it's like a scarcity mindset thing as well though like not knowing how to stand your ground comes from a place of fear that like I said earlier, you won't find somebody that you connected with with that like you connected with with, with that guy. God, English. <laughs> it's the scarcity mindset thing. Like if you're scared that you're not going to be finding any people to connect with, that that fear is like people can detect that fear in you. Men can detect that fear in how you interact with them. Men can tell that you're hesitant to cut them off. They know. They know. They can also tell when you're the kind of person who will not hesitate to cut them off. They know they will still test the boundaries, but they will see what happens when they test the boundaries, isn't it? That's it. There's only one way to find out. (laughs) You fuck about and you find out. That's the only way to find out. You have to fuck about. So guys will fuck about with you and then they find out. And from there, they have one of two choices. They either respectfully accept L and don't talk to you again, or they change their demeanor and attitude towards you and from that point is where you regain your power because I don't see anything wrong with women wanting to have power in relationships women are powerful people we literally make men have boners like you're powerful accept that you're powerful don't be scared or ashamed of being powerful men want you to be ashamed and scared of being powerful because deep down they're embarrassed that like you'd be giving them boners and they can't control it like that's so imagine being imagine like (laughs) imagine seeing a beautiful woman right and she's like a bit mean to you. And for some reason that turns you on. Like, how do you as a man, like, how do you even, how do you hide that? That's why men are in such conflict with themselves. because They're trying to hide their feelings. Are those the people that you want to just be like giving all your self-esteem away to? Are those the people you just want to be like willy nilly laying around with? You don't want to, you don't want to lay up with somebody who's going to lift you up. You want to just lay up with people that just want to roll on the floor with you and lower your self-esteem so they can get you on a discount? Sounds, sounds whack to me. Sounds whack to me. And I feel like as a woman, you need to be vengeful. Vengeful doesn't mean go and pour bleach on his car heart and fucking key his car. I mean vengeful as in vengeful enough to give him a taste of his own energy. That's as far as my vengefulness goes, because anything beyond that is giving a man too much energy and too much um, real estate in your life. All you need to do is ignore him. That's more than enough. Make him feel irrelevant, because if he's a good looking man, that's really going to throw him off. Or if he's a man who's got money, that's really going to throw him off. Think about the men who feel the best about themselves in society. They're usually... Either good looking or they have money or both. So the most humbling thing you can do to a man who is one of those two things, or if he's both, is to treat him like a regular ass dude who is a little bit annoying. And he's like a clingy little puppy. Treat him like that. Like, I just, I just don't understand why women have a fear of trying things out. You're treating every interaction with a man as like super precious And that's why you're not standing your ground properly. And that's why you're getting got, because I feel like men don't die from you treating them as regular. They'll be fine. They are probably talking to another another woman anyway, as they should, because men be keeping their options open. I don't have any issue with men keeping their options open because my options are open too. Like I said, it's about mirroring their energy, mirroring their behavior. I thought we was feminists. I thought we was doing women could do what men can do too. So if a man can keep his options open, why can't I do that too? Hmm? Why do we only acknowledge equality and women can do what men can do too when it comes to labour and working? But we won't apply that same energy to giving the men their own medicine. Like, if he believes that he can get away with cheating because he's a man, I too Can't help but spend another man's money because I just can't help my urges because I'm a woman. I'm biologically wired to want to spend your money. (laughs) Like how doesn't that sound ridiculous? But we don't call it ridiculous when a man says that he's biologically wired to cheat on you and biologically wired to accidentally trip over a wire and land inside another woman's pussy. We call that biological wiring. So that's why we just all this reclaim all this bullshit just because nothing makes sense anymore. Anyway, I too. I'm biologically wired to be a menace. Yes. I am biologically wired to frustrate your life by not being a woman that you can trample. Yes. I am biologically wired to only feel vaginal secretions when you have money that you are spending on me and it's surplus exciting large amounts. Yes. And men hate that shit. Men want to know what turns you on until you say money. (laughs) have you noticed that that's why I'm like you got everybody just being too nice to men for no reason and it's getting everybody nowhere it's getting you nowhere but you're still doing it because you think that one day if you just keep on being nice the right person will just like what reward you for being nice do you know did you know that at the end of your life when you die nobody is going to come and say well done for being a stupid fool Idiot pushover that was kind to people who were not kind to you, especially men who were taking advantage of you. Well done, you get the biggest kind person sticker, and here is your certificate of kindness. You don't get that at the end of your life. You don't. Usually, if you're conscious enough at the end of your life to to see and review the years that came before you, you'd be feeling hella resentful that you was boo boo the fool for multiple decades. You still have time. This shit is all still very redeemable. If you are still alive, it is still redeemable. I don't care if you're listening to this and you're 40. Because I have met 40-year-old women who are on my mental mood board of women I aspire to be like when I get to that age. I know 40-year-old women who pole dance. I know 40 year old women who be dating multiple guys who are all treating her really well. I know 40 year old women who don't pay a single bill, not because they can't, but because they don't want to. And if that man or those men disappear into thin air, she's still good. She's still set good. I know women who are doing that and that is what I, I don't even feel like I have to aspire because I feel like that's just going to be a natural outcome of my line of thinking and the decisions that I'm making now at 28 years old. I'm on that course already. So it's not even about aspiring. It's just like once I get to that age, that's already going to be my life. I already know because that's how I am and that's how I think and that's what I surround myself with. I don't like to surround myself too much with women who are like, who feel sorry for themselves and who are easily swooned and like taken advantage of by men. Um, And it's not to say that, like, I think I'm better than them. That's not what I'm saying at all. What I'm saying is that I try to not expose myself to that too much because it's kind of polluting my um, ecosystem that I've created for myself. (laughs) Listen, someone listening to that might think that sounds mean. But you have to understand that an ecosystem thrives when all the conditions that allow it to exist are in harmony. So you need to really nurture your ecosystem, whether that's your emotional ecosystem, whether that's your psychological ecosystem. If you are ingesting media that makes you feel less about yourself, you're polluting that ecosystem. If you are laying with or entertaining men who make you feel less about yourself, you're polluting your emotional ecosystem. And when your emotional ecosystem is polluted, things are not in harmony anymore. So your your decisions are no longer beneficial for you in the way that they should be. Your line of thinking has now been warped. That's affecting your money. A woman cannot live without money. That is affecting your career, your future. Your future matters. You need to be thinking for your future. You need to be think about what do you want your life to look like in 10 years time? Cause you see how I was describing the 40 year old women who I know who pole dance and they're living their best life and they're spending men's money and they're saving their own and doing what the fuck they want when I see those women, I think, what can I do now at age 28 to put myself on that course of trajectory? I don't have to make big, massive, crazy decisions. It's just about being more selfish with my time and making sure that I'm surrounding myself with more women who think like that and not letting myself forget who I am because when we're discussing the theme of having a focal point when you're upset with a guy or having a focal point in dating don't forget that the most important focal point is that you are the star of the show and you're the goddess in this relationship with a man you are the focal point you exist and he serves in dominatrix land that is that is the outlook you exist he serves you don't have to be a dominatrix to still to still live that to some degree. You exist, he adores you, you're the woman. If he's not adoring you, leave that situation, someone else will adore you, it's a matter of time. I've experienced this even in Dominatrix La La Land where 20 subs will not want to give me money to whip them but one sub will. You might, they'll come to you and be like, oh, goddess, can you please punish me? And you say, well, I'm only accepting a tribute first. Most of them are broke or they haven't come with cash. Then I'm not whipping you, in it But one of them will come up to me and say, goddess, I would like to be punished. And I'll say, well, I'm only accepting a tribute before you do that. And he'll give me cash. And there you go. It doesn't mean that you're not worth it. It just means they don't have what you need. So until you see what you need, you don't give them anything. And that's how you use the process <laughs> process of elimination to get what you want. And that's also known as having standards. We overcomplicate things when we're scared because in overcomplicating it, you get to procrastinate and tell yourself, these are all the reasons why you can't do it. When actually, if you simplify it, you can actually get shit done much sooner because when you simplify it and acknowledge it for what it is, you can act on that acknowledgement and you get quicker results. Even if that quicker result is you just having better self esteem, a better sense of self, and a higher confidence in knowing that you will get the life you deserve as long as you keep saying no to what you don't want. The end.